Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll hear from Ava. She'll tell us about her improvisational journey, play a couple games, and most importantly, we'll learn how she improved her life. Let's hit it. Welcome to Improv for the Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lee Evans. And today I am joined by the incredibly talented improv for the people, let's say legend, maybe. Ava is joining us here today in studio. Ava is an incredibly talented improviser. She is a teacher here at IFTP, a premier faculty member, if you will. Uh, Ava, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm great, Michael. Thank you. I am not worthy of such introduction, but uh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we are glad to have you. Um, Ava, we have now rounded out the gauntlet of teachers. You are the final teacher to be on the podcast until we get the big man himself, but you know, uh, we'll see. But, uh, I want to ask you, Ava, just as a quick introduction, uh, you know, for the listeners at home who may not know you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your role at IFTP, how long you've been involved. Yeah. I've been with IFTP since about 2014. I had just moved to LA in 2013 totally fell in love with comedy and wanted to be taking improv classes. So found IFTP online, started taking class on Monday night with Matt, made some of my now greatest friends, including Mm. Matt. And after a year or two, uh, Matt and I had grown a friendship outside of class and we were at lunch one day and I think just naturally through conversation and me probably being a little, a little pushy, I had suggested that I would love to explore teaching and my, my dad was an improv teacher. So this was, uh, it's really cool, full circle. And Matt gave me the opportunity and I started teaching and totally have been in love with it ever since. Wow. That's fantastic. So you became a teacher at IFTP about a year after you joined? Yeah. uh Yeah. I think a year, year and a half. Wow. And then I think I still took classes for a little bit because I loved taking class so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then I I taught for a few years. Then I moved to New York and I wasn't teaching and I really missed it. And then when I got back from New York last year, it was the first thing on my to-do list was mm-hmm. get back into teaching. So Matt worked really hard to make room for another class and we got it up and running. And now I teach two nights a week. Wow. That's amazing. Thank right. you. Well, Ava, we're going to dig into that a little more in a little bit. I want to hear about that, like LA, New York, back to LA. We got to get that whole journey in there. But before we do, uh, as is tradition here on Improv for the Podcast, we got to play a little three things. And of course, it's personal. It's going to be about you. So uh, prepare your soul because we're going to bear it for all the world to see. I'm ready. All right. So as always, we're going to play some three things. Time to learn a little bit more about Ava. Here we go. These are three things. (gasps) Things to do in Las Vegas. Oh, um, go hike the Red Rocks. One. Go um, sneak into a hotel pool. Two. Um, go walk around a mall because there's AC. Three. These are three things. <gasps> Skills you would put on your LinkedIn page. Effective communicator, written and verbal. One. Project management skills. Two. Negotiation aptitude. Three. These are three things. Uh, things that the letters USC can be an acronym for. University of Southern California, fight on. One. You, you serve, you serve cake. Two. And, um, and up, ups, upside, upside cold, cold, upside cold. Three. These are three things. 
Uh, oh my goodness. I apologize. Upside cold note. Those were excellent. <laughs> yeah, you serve cake, but I like that it's you, just the letter U. Yeah. They Amazing. Didn't have, Amazing. They didn't have the budget for the other letters. Yeah. Well, you know, modern language has evolved so much because of technology. So, you know, we'll accept it. Simply. Yeah. All right. So I, I picked that first category because, uh, I think was maybe mentioned earlier. You grew up in Las Vegas, right? I did. I grew up in Vegas, which always typically gets a reaction out of people. Mm. I think people don't realize that people are from Las Vegas. Yeah. I think that's fake. No one actually lives there. (laughs) I'm I'm a fraud. Yeah. And we're going to dig into that. (laughs) As you should. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm from Vegas. I, I really love being from Vegas and I Mm. love getting to go home to Vegas. My family's still there. It, you know, it was just, it was a pretty normal childhood despite Mm. I think what People think about Vegas. The suburbs are a really small town, really mm. safe, really clean. It was great. Yeah. And I think it is interesting, like often hearing the perspective, not of someone who's a tourist to Vegas, but like, what do you do there when you just live there? You know, like a regular person, right? And just hearing things like sneaking into or going to a mall, right? Mm-hmm. Getting that AC, which makes sense. Vegas has terrible weather. It's very it's in, hot. We shouldn't be there as humans. <laughs> I know. So I think that's a, that's a great strategy. Sneaking into hotel pools. Is there a specific time uh, you thought of when you did that? Or was it a kind of all year round activity almost? So it, Vegas used to be more lax. If you mm. were a local, you used to get to kind of just saunter into hotel pools. Oh, and then nice. everyone started doing that and havoc was wreaked. Mm. So now you have to be a hotel guest or you have to pay. Nah. So towards the end, when they were tightening up the rules, we would get a little crafty and try and get a room key that was old mm. and you know, yeah, we we're, we we're criminals. Oh my gosh. You've heard it here first. Ava criminal, uh, first criminal we've had on the podcast <laughs> so far. Well known criminal. <laughs> I can't speak for the future actions of any guests who have been on this show. Um, I think that's pretty crafty. Definitely. And I like, I feel like as a resident too, you know, you should be able to get a little, a little opportunity to spend some time at those pools. Right. If you live there all year, you know, it's like, hey, I should benefit from this too. <laughs> like exactly. All this tourism that's coming in. But what do I know? Uh, a lot. No, you're right. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I respect your crafty efforts. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's see that last cat- category. I just felt like putting you on the spot with some acronyms. Uh, you attended USC, graduated from there, from what I understand, uh, and met some of our fellow improvisers we've had on this show. Yes. There as well. I think Liam and Sky. Liam and Sky, great Liam improvisers, Sky. great Trojans. Yeah, USC was. Um, I I love my story with USC because mm. I am a first generation college student mm. and went to community college for a few years and worked really hard to get into USC. And USC was never on my radar growing mm. up, and so getting into USC was it still feels like I kind of have to pinch myself and it was an amazing fun time and I did improv there on the on one of the troops ah. and met some great friends and went to football games and learned what that's like so yeah it was a it was a really special time in my life all right well I'm now considering applying there to go back to get another bachelor's degree <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a, an older freshman, but I think that's okay. It, you'll fit right in. Yeah. Yeah. They won't know. No. And they won't ask. <laughs> they won't. <laughs> All right, Ava. Uh, so I want to get into your improv journey because that's why we're here, right? I want to know everything about your improv history. We're going to write a textbook right now. Uh, so I want to, I want you to take us back to the first time in your life 
you learned what improv is, whether it's just you heard the word. Um, I know you had mentioned your dad, right, was an improv teacher. So, yeah, when did that start? When was your first introduction to improv? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one improv such a huge part of my life. I I should have a more polished answer to this, but I think growing up, I, I'm so grateful. I come from a very funny family. My parents mm. and my siblings are really, really funny people and animated and playful and silly. So growing up, my, my parents specifically, they would do little scenes or characters or bits. Mm. And I think because I grew up with it, it was, it was normal and I didn't really, I don't really recall hearing we're doing improv right now. Mm. But then as I think I got older and started learning about my parents' story and my dad teaching improv, then I kind of put the two and two together, you know, mm. oh, what they've been doing. This is from their improv days and this is what improv can be. And then moving to LA, I'd always been creative and I loved performing and I loved the arts, but I, I didn't totally click with acting as a whole. Yeah. And I really liked making people laugh. Mm. And so comedy just kind of felt like this natural option for me to explore. Mm. And I didn't have the patience to write enough to be a stand-up. Mm. And so I, I didn't really think that was the fit. And then I started taking improv classes. And it was really this full circle moment of, oh my gosh, this is what my parents would do and how much fun they had and what they were good at. And I kind of might be good at it too. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So kind of, I think like you mentioned, like improv was almost built into the fabric of your household growing up, whether you knew it or not. And you, at some point, right, growing up, learned that your parents had been teachers and improv had been a big part of their past. But you yourself, you didn't take a single improv class until you came out to LA. Yeah. Surprisingly, Vegas, uh, there's a big community of performers in Vegas. Yeah, of course. Surprisingly, Improv is not really a thing in Vegas. Mm. I mean, I haven't lived there in almost 11 years, so I might be off now. But growing up, there wasn't really anything. In high school, there was like a week dedicated to improv comedy. And that was as cringy as high school improv sounds. Yeah, no, it's my favorite improv, actually. (laughs) It's it's really soul crushing, (laughs) but they tried. Um, So, yeah, I think coming out here to L.A. was my first Mm. structured class of improv. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You come to LA, it's, you know, one of like the three major places in the country. I feel like where it's, you know, there's a huge improv scene, you know, New York, Chicago, LA. It's like, that's where you go. If this is something you want to study. I know. Uh, so you, so you moved out to LA for college, right? Yes. And <laughs> yes. And uh, it was, it was a little bit of, I graduated high school. Mm. Don't really know what I want to do. I really liked LA, wanted to perform, didn't really know what that meant yet. So I, a few weeks after I graduated high school, moved to LA and I was 17 and I got a studio apartment. My parents co-signed. Oh my gosh. I was living in West LA and I was like, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) But I figured it out. And, um, yeah. So through that, the, through that, I kind of found college and then started to build my friend mm. group and then started to really make LA my own and, and lay some roots. But it kind of was one of those things where I just didn't know what else I wanted to do. Yeah. And I knew my parents had lived in LA. So mm. yeah, I'm not a big, um, I'm a planner in my short term, like my day to day, I'm pretty organized, but big picture, like I've never had a five year plan. I don't know what tomorrow looks like mm. and I don't really want to. Yeah. So I think that's, that's how I got here. Wow. 
I mean, just right out of high school, moving to LA in a studio, just like by yourself. <laughs> that sounds, that's insane courage. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. It's insane. But <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, I can't even imagine. Uh, had you been to LA before or was it just like, <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So my mom's from Southern California uh, and okay. we, we'd done a lot of visits through that, um, through visiting her family and, and summers and everything. But yeah, I think I knew LA enough mm. for as much as a 17 year old can feel like they know LA. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, and I, I really liked that it was close to home mm, uh, yeah. because I can drive, I can drive home. Yeah. Or yeah. a very quick flight. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I was just picturing you're like, I've never been there, but I've seen it on TV. <laughs> I've got my bag and my, my books or like whatever. And then you just I'm head out there. Star. Yeah. I'm going to be, see, say someone will see me at a cafe and they'll sign me to the motion picture film. <laughs> I seriously, that's like what was running through my oh, head. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Like, I'm just going to be walking down the street and someone's going to be like, you're probably fantastic. <laughs> Do you want to like, be an actor? James Cameron is like, you, you need to be an avatar <laughs> and all the sequels. Yeah. Uh, I would, a little bit of a delusional headspace going on for the first year or so here. I think most people who move here, not the, not the locals, the natives who like grew up here, but for those of us who transplanted here. Yeah. I think that's true. <laughs> kind of have to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it's, kind of a crazy move to make, I think. <laughs> okay. So you moved to LA, you were basically a child and a um, baby in LA, little baby in LA, which is, you know, that's scary for little babies in LA. Couldn't even drive or, okay. This bit could go on. For yeah, it could, time. it could. Yeah. A baby in LA. That's terrifying. Um, okay. So you moved to LA. Um, what did that timeline look like of like, you're like, I'm here in the city. How long did it take you to kind of find or decide to get into improv once you were here? I think I took like a few acting classes. Yeah. I audited a few things. I was doing plays at my community call at the community college I went to. Mm. I would say, and then I, I took a few groundlings classes. I took a few improv LA classes, honestly, like probably only a few months until I was at least seeing shows and trying to network within the comedy community. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, about a year until I really found IFTP and felt like I found a home with Mm. improv. Okay. Yeah. So it was like, well, I'm here. I'm going to start, you know, dipping my toe in like the different scenes. And I mean, LA, you know, there's a billion improv schools here. So it sounds like Groundlings was one of them. You know, there's UCB, Second City. There's, I mean, there used to be a lot more. um, I know. But a lot of those have disappeared. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, rest in peace. But um, yeah, so I think were you kind of just finding your footing at first? You're like, hey, what do I like? This place is great. This place isn't so great. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. The, the first little while also, it was just, I live alone and mm. I live in a new city. Yeah. I want to make friends. So I'm not home alone at night. And, you know, so I think it was just um, adjusting to this new phase of my life, but I have always, and still do, I keep myself pretty busy. I just, I prefer when I'm busy and when yeah, I'm doing definitely. things and seeing people and out and about. So I, I pretty intentionally curated a busy life right when I got here, whether it was trying classes or seeing shows or concerts, um, meeting pe- new people. And then, yeah, comedy was a very welcome addition to all of that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's a great way too. I'm sure when moving to a new city, right. It's a way to meet people, tons of different people. 
I mean, mostly a lot of actors, but (laughs) so basically people who have also newly moved to the city. Yeah. Yeah. I know there was a lot of common ground of just like, we're just trying our best out here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking this class. I'm, uh, you know, in between jobs right now, but Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. A lot of that. I've met a lot of those people over the years. Yeah. I feel that. Okay. Interesting. All right. So when you started taking those classes, was improv something that kind of clicked right away for you? Was it a bit of a struggle or were you like, oh, it's in my blood. I got this. I'm an improv nepotism baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, with, at risk of sounding braggy, it, it did click pretty quick. Wow, pretty braggy. I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed. Of course I had my, I still have my stuff that I have to work on and that doesn't come supernaturally, but improv as a whole, the art form, I was pretty in love with it from day one. Mm. Um, I think just the energy of improv speaks to my energy as a person. So that was pretty easy for me or fun. I shouldn't say easy. It just was natural and I enjoyed it so much. And I had seen, you know, my parents, seeing my parents do it. It wasn't like this, um, unchartered territory for me. Mm. It was like, oh, now I get to experience it. So yeah, I would say overall clicked pretty quick. I figured out pretty quickly where my strengths are within improv, where my weaknesses might be. And I just had so much fun figuring that out. Mm. Yeah. It was kind of like, okay, and now I'm doing this thing. Like I want to have a journey too, like my parents did. What's that going to look like? You know, where's it going to take me? Which I think is really cool that you had that almost like familial improv legacy that you could be like my turn. (laughs) I like that because I haven't, that's something unique. I think in the people we've talked to so far on the show that nobody's really had that. I know my parents never done improv before. I would love to see them do improv. Uh, Scott and Debbie, hope you're doing well. Uh, Come on over. Yeah, I got to get them up here. Uh, but yeah, I think that's just something that's that's really unique and like an interesting thing to explore. You'd be like, Mom, Dad, today I did a I did a Herald. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I talk to them um, all the time. My dad mm. helps curate some of my exercises. And oh, that's awesome. If I'm you know, if I'm challenged with uh, how to handle a certain situation, I call him before or after class and oh. he walks me through it. And my mom's always, you know, down to workshop things. And mm. yeah, they're, they're amazing, fun resources of how to, how to navigate teaching. Cause teaching, oh, yeah. as you know, it's just, it's a totally different animal than, mm. than playing. And so I'm so lucky that they did both and they, I can talk to them about both. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And use them as resources and like just learn from their experiences. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. I'm super lucky. They're, they're very cool people all around. Yeah. Michael and Sherry. Shout out. Shout out. There you go. All right, Michael and Sherry. <laughs> they got their shout out. <laughs> they got it. their shout out and that's it. We'll never speak of them again. Uh, okay. So, uh, you're getting into improv. It's kind of clicking for you. You're learning strengths, weaknesses. Um, you had mentioned at the start of the show, you found this, this little, this little place right here, improv for the people you found it online. Now, 2013 was some time ago. Mm -hmm. What, what did that look like? I mean, finding improv for the people back then, and then kind of your, your first few classes, kind of your whole introductory experience to improv for the people. Yeah. You know, I can't remember. I must've sent Matt some sort of email through the website. I could, we actually, we joked about it a few years ago. Mm. I think I could find that email. Oh, I got to dig it up one day. Yeah, It's like a time capsule. I know truly. So I, I'm sure I sent him an email saying, Hey, this is who I am. I'd love to take class. Mm. At the time there were 
There were just a few classes. Um, I think right now we're a little bit more robust and yeah. in our schedule, but I, he said, yeah, come on by for Monday audit. And I did, and I could almost name the whole class. Cause some of them are still, like I said, my, wow. my great friends. And I sat in the front row. We were at the old theater at the time, um, in West LA and yeah, I just, Matt captivated me. The class structure was fun and upbeat and welcoming. The people were, were normal and it wasn't, there wasn't this air of competitiveness. Cause I, mm. I'm not a competitive person. I get really freaked out by competition and I have no interest in it. And so that can be something in the comedy world, especially in LA yeah. where it is this air of, Oh, you're funny. Well, I'm funnier, you know? Yeah, well, that's good for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and IFTP just had none of, there just mm-hmm. was none of that. Mm-hmm. And there that was attitude. no ego. There was, everyone was approachable. Matt was so likable. And yeah, so I just, I kept taking class and then, you know, started becoming friends with people outside of class. And it really became an integral part of my, my social life here in LA. Mm. Yeah. So it was like finding something that was different than maybe some of the other improv experiences. And then mm-hmm. just, yeah, kind of like, Oh, it's more like, like you said, building out that social network, it keeps you coming back. Mm-hmm. So was there for you as a student in those early days, did you feel like a stark difference, I guess, compared to some of the other places you had been? Because I mean, I think you kept coming back because you're still here now. I kept coming back. You know, I think what, and one of the things I still love so much about IFTP is that it's not a structured six-week beginning improv 101 where we focus on eye contact and characters. It was just come to class and come as long as you want. If you can't come for a month because you're traveling or for work, all good. And I loved that each week was a little bit different, but then sometimes we'd repeat certain exercises Mm. so I could get better at them. So I just think the structure of it being an ongoing, continual, more fluid process, I, I really loved in, and and it made it stand out in comparison to other theaters. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just offering something different. And I think we always talk about it every episode, but I'm always going to plug it. It's just, yeah, kind of the structure we have here at IFTP of, right? It's a monthly thing. Mm-hmm. We always say it's like a gym, but we got to come up with more analogies. We said a dojo in another episode. Oh. It's like a subscription. So it's like Instacart, but <laughs> <laughs> improv Instacart. It's like a, it's like a subscription, a monthly subscription service. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's improv weekly. It's improv yeah. weekly. Yeah. But I think it's just, other classes or experiences that I've had, I'm sure you've had, right? They're, they're finite, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's six weeks, it's 10 classes, it's whatever. Maybe you do a class show at the end of it, and then that same group kind of dissipates, right? It's gone. And everyone either like passes or fails or never does improv again, gives up on their dreams and moves back to Oklahoma or... We hate to see it. Yeah. But I think, I mean, coming here, like, there's definitely a lot of people who are longstanding members, which I think is something unique. Like, I mean, sitting down here with you, right? You've been involved since 2013. That's, that's crazy to me. You know, I think a lot of the improv places I've done stuff with over the years and like ones I was around in 2015, say for example, I haven't done anything with them mm-hmm. and they don't exist anymore, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a good point. It is wild yeah, to you see You don't it. come back. Right. And I think the pandemic you know, it was sad to see a lot of these theaters not able to make Mm. it, whether it was the pandemic or the ripple effects of the pandemic. But yeah, IFTP, I think because in part, because of the longstanding members, it, it made it and it's thriving and only on the up and up. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree. I agree. And making moves. Money boom, moves. Boom, 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 boom. boom. <laughs> there you go. Okay. That was really good. That was incredible. Um, we're going to, well, we'll turn that into a full track later. Thank you. Um, so with that said, I think there was a natural progression in your kind of improv story, right? Um, because you became a student here at IFTP, and then about a year in, you mentioned uh, you approached Matt. You became friends with Matt, and then outside of class, you know, you were building your relationship there, and you asked about becoming a teacher. And I, I want to know what was your motivation behind that? Where you're like, you know, I've been doing this for a little while, I'm learning, and I think I'm ready. Was it because you wanted to follow in your parents' footsteps, see what kind of teacher you could be? Yeah, that was definitely part of it. I think. Um I'm an oldest sibling. I'm pretty type A. Mm. So I think uh, uh, just my personality lends itself to leading a little bit. And I I just always remember in class watching Matt and being like, I, I want to do that. I want to give feedback and help people grow and help people fall in love with this and help people come out of their shells. And I love improv for so many reasons. One of the leading reasons being it it changes people's lives, you know, it really does. And it, it helps people discover new layers of themselves that either were there and have been suppressed or they didn't know were there. And I, so I really love the human aspect of improv. It's fun and, and funny and silly and energetic. And it also is this totally transformative art form. Mm. So I, I wanted to be a really small piece in any way I could in, in moving that forward. Yeah. And yes, it helps that my, my dad taught and I wanted to make them proud and yeah. try, try my hand at that too. Yeah. I think that's a very natural thing. And I, I can see those leadership qualities that you have. Thank I mean, you. especially like, I think I remember the first time I met you was one of my very first classes here at IFTP. I think in my first, you know, couple of maybe months, I think you were subbing for Matt and I was just like, who's this? <laughs> And then I loved your class and just the energy that you brought to it because, you know, uh, you and Matt have different, I guess, flavors that I would describe as teachers. And I think one thing I've always known about you as a teacher is like the consistent like positivity, but like kindness and yet intense focus you bring to your work. And you're like, you know, you're able to like dig it up and get into things in a scene, but also just like keep everyone feeling like, ah, invested <laughs> because like you've got that rah-rah attitude. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank just, you. It was one of those things like early on, you know, I remember these experiences that I had here that made me want to stay. Mm. And like, I think within those first two months I had Matt as a teacher, I had you as a teacher and I had Jamie as a teacher. And I was like, wow, there's so many people here that are so wise and talented that I want to learn from. Like I, I got to stick around. Mm, I'm so glad you did. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, in spite of, no, <laughs> in spite of Matt, no. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, yeah, that handsome, bald man. Uh, <laughs> no, we love Matt. Uh, <laughs> I always got to dig him and then praise him at least like once an episode. You yeah, know? keep keeps him humble. Yeah, keep him humble, keep him Absolutely. humble. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, was it hard for you or were there some challenges that you felt kind of transitioning from your role here, going from student to becoming a teacher? Absolutely. <clears throat> Teaching is the most, besides, you know, my family and my, my relationships, teaching is the most rewarding thing in my life and the most challenging at times. Mm. You know, I think that it is personality management in a way that I had never experienced before. And it's different than corporate personality management in your day-to-day work because people are being 
really vulnerable. People are, uh, most of the people are very scared and there's a lot of defenses up and walls up. And so you as the instructor, you have to juggle so many different things and considerations, you know, keeping people feeling open and welcome and challenged and pushed because people, whether they admit it or not, they want that, you know, that's why they pay to come to take class and learn something. So I think learning how to do all of that really well and keep class fun and um, keep class engaging, that that took a while to find my groove. Yeah. You know, I I think maybe I started out so warm and welcoming and fun that I was missing a lot of feedback and notes. And mm. then I found a phase where I was wanting them to be such good improvisers that I think I was giving too much feedback and not letting people play enough. So now I feel pretty confident in the balance I've been able to find, but yeah, of course it it took me some time and it's hard not to take things personally. And you know, there's a lot of things that come with it. Yeah. Cause being a teacher is like realizing the weight of responsibility. I think of like, Oh my gosh, all these people are here and they want to listen to me. (laughs) Wait a second. Yeah, that's so true. And, and it is, and you have to, you have to watch what you say and the way you say it, because you have to speak to a wide audience Mm. and make sure that you're welcoming in beginners and more seasoned improvisers and not, not, um, running off your own assumptions of how you think improv should be done. And yeah, it's a, it's such a joyful journey figuring it all out. But of course it comes with its, it's muddy periods. It's muddy periods. Yeah. I think that's true. And just finding your identity as a teacher, mm-hmm. kind of your style. And I think like you said, how you shifted over, over time from like, oh, we're just having fun. I know that's definitely, I skew that direction as a teacher, both when I was a middle school teacher and it's like any sort of comedy realm. And that's something I'm always trying to push myself on to like the opposite end of that spectrum where it's like, sit down. All your choices are terrible. And that's the teacher I want to be. Right. That's what we all strive for. No, to your point, it it is, um, it's a hard thing to balance. Mm -hmm. And I think it, as people, we naturally are going to lean towards one way or the other, but yeah, it's fun to kind of figure it out. And then at the end of class, when you have a really good class, you're like, Oh, it's a sense of pride, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sense of pride to be like, okay, you know what today, today, I think I figured it out. Mm -hmm. You just like hope that next class you can take the lessons you learned and move them into that, that next class with whoever's in there. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's pretty amazing because I think that's something I've thought about more recently in my own journey here at IFTP. Mm. And I've, I, I've had a chance to talk to, I think, Jamie and Ben a little bit about that as well because it's an interesting thing, that shift from student to teacher. and It really is. And I think the other thing, um, and I, I believe Jamie mentioned this too and it resonated so much, is I, I struggle being a student now mm. that I've been a teacher for, for quite, a, quite a bit of time. Um, I I just am so passionate about this and about wanting other people to see how great it is that it's hard to be in classes because my brain is just analyzing, you know, so much that I have to remind myself, like when I do shows or when I do a pickup class with Matt, just play, just Mm. enjoy it, go back to being a student because I love it once I let myself, but it does take some time for my brain to stop giving notes and editing and making adjustments because that's what you have to do when you're teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, 
you have that critical lens all the time. You're like listening, 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 and being like, yes, no, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, always watching and making judgments essentially about everyone's choices because that's <laughs> your job. True. It's true. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And that's like a two and a half hour class where you're doing that the whole time. I mean, that's, it's hard to switch that off. I know. I feel that. I feel yeah, that. I do. I, even when I go see comedy shows, I, yeah. I get annoyed with myself, yeah. especially if I'm with someone who, doesn't know the world of comedy, I totally mm-hmm. have to just shut up because yeah, I'm they're like, just having a good time. Yeah. They're like, wow. And you're like, oh. yeah, like this is incredible. I'm like, that was some of the worst comedy I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And I don't ever want to be that person. I yeah. never want to be the jaded comedy yeah. goer, but I think when you do it so much, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard not to be a little bit like, Oh, well actually uh, I'm an improv teacher <laughs> and boy, do they need to learn some lessons? Like, yeah, that's, important uh, stuff here. Yeah. It's hard not to, I do that sometimes become the annoying person in those scenes. Like if I go with people who aren't improvisers and uh, I know, I know we come from, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, it was okay. Like their space work was a little off. So sloppy. (laughs) He left that burrito sitting on the counter and and didn't acknowledge when it fell over. Like just, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least I haven't done this and I'm proud of this that I've never, you know, people do this. I've never been to an improv show and taken notes with a notebook. Oof. That's that makes my that makes me I, clench. I've seen that move, and I when I was pretty involved in like the the UCB scene, mm-hmm. I'd be like, I'd go on like Monday nights. They had Harold Night back in the day, um, and like, yeah, people would just show up with like notebooks, and I'm like, oh my gosh, as a performer, I would hate to look out in the audience and there's people just like, yes, in the uh, in the third beat. <laughs> Uh, when they were, you know, all supposed to come together with those three separate storylines, I noticed that they didn't make a callback to like. Seriously, I uh, bet that's in someone's notebook. And yeah, looking out on that, to your point, that would that'd be tough. That'd be brutal. I know. Yeah. So um, this is a PSA for all uh, improv for the people students. Uh, if you're ever going to be an audience member for a show, please bring a notebook and a pen or pencil. Please, maybe even like a typewriter or a laptop. Sure. Uh, just something you can take notes in. If you want to dictate, and then maybe the person next to you can write down the notes. Absolutely. We highly encourage that behavior we would in love our that. audience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Philip, take another note for me. Uh, yeah, I don't like this scene because. Yeah, just do it during the show, middle of a scene. It's We want you to learn. Talk loudly. Ask questions. Raise your hand yeah. in the middle of a show. No, don't raise your hand. Just say it. Just say it. Just say it. Yep. It's, a, it's like a Socratic seminar. Just mm-hmm. just speak. <laughs> oh, man, that that would ruin any show, any scene. What have I done? That was all in jest, of course. Chaos. Please, please don't do that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so getting us back on track, uh, I think it was around... Uh, 20, 2014, you said you became a teacher I think here at IFTP. It, it's like splitting hairs at this point, but I would, yeah. I would have joined IFTP in 2014, probably started okay. teaching like early 2016. I think I did like a year, a year and a half of class. And then by the time a class was up and running and I had enough students, yeah, I think early 2016. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So you started teaching here and you were in school at the same time, I'm sure. I was. Um, so was there other improv you were involved in besides IFTP or was this your strict focus or were you just, you were out there all over the scene? I was kind of all over the scene for a second. I, I was, um, on one of USC's improv teams, the Merry uh, Men. Okay. Ah. So that was pretty time consuming. We yeah. rehearsed once a week. We performed once a week. Yeah. Pretty intense. Yeah. So I was doing that. And then I think on and off I was, taking groundlings classes. I worked at groundlings for a minute. 
um, in their box office. <gasps> and I know. Wait, were you were you an intern there? I was an intern and then an employee. You yeah. you may have stolen my spot. So did you, I'm. <sighs> Got some beef. We got to settle this right now. Okay. Should we fist fight? Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I actually brought a knife, so I okay. hope you brought yours. Yeah, I brought a knife. Okay. Wait, what? What? what did Dep- you apply and then I get did. It? I had an interview and I was like, I need this. Damn it. And like, well, I don't know. It depends on the timeline, but this was like maybe April or May 2016. I don't know. It's, it's, it's possible. Pretty, it's pretty close. Well, wow. uh, maybe. But it wasn't the same without you. I can already tell you that. I mean, that just changed my life trajectory forever. It's I'm fine. So, so, so I was, it was around, that was around when I was finishing up college and I was like, I want to get it evolved somewhere. And I didn't get it. I also didn't have any um, Photoshop skills. So that's oh, a yeah. huge knock against me. Uh, but I'm going to blame you instead. That's much easier You're, than my own can. lack of skill. No, please. Yeah, the Groundlings internship was, I was so... Um, I was just so starry eyed about comedy that Mm, mm -hmm. I loved every second of it. You know, I get to sit in the box office and the main people in the main company would come in and just talk about ideas and I get to see dress rehearsals. And looking back on that time in my life, I was doing improv in college, working at Groundlings, working at IFTP, taking class at IFTP. And I was totally obsessed. I mean, no part of it felt like, I'm doing too much improv. It was like, how can I do more of it? I was totally hooked. That's an insane amount of improv. I know it's like, it's a little psycho. How much time do you think you spent weekly either like in classes or just around improv during that time in your life? It's like that and class. And then I was nannying. It's like all I did. Wow. Okay. So I, it'd be hard to, I mean, it'd be hard to guess. I'm really bad at math. You know, if you ever like go into a stadium and you're like, are there 1,000 people in here or 485,000 people? Oh, I'm not sure. I never know. Yeah. It's I, always either or. Yeah. So I'm really bad at guesstimating things. Okay. So I couldn't guess the hours, okay. but a lot. So you either did 1,000 hours a week or 485,000 exactly. hours a week. Wow, that's a lot of exactly. hours. That's, you know, some people are able to put more hours into their week than others. I know. And it sounds like you were one of those people. I was the best. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. You know, like... You, all your days were 28 hour days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I beat the system. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. The one person to beat father time, uh, Ava right here. Um, okay. So <laughs> we'll just put it as you were improv was like a job, not a job just in the sense, the amount of time you spent doing it. Yeah. And you were all over, I think getting like these different flavors of improv USC, like you mentioned, IFTP groundlings, which I think is really cool because I think that can shape you as an improviser when you're not getting all your learning from one source, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I loved having different teachers. I loved performing with different people and seeing shows with different people. Cause I think I'm on an indie team now. And I was back then Mm -hmm. with a handful of my friends who are insanely funny and talented. Um, and we know how we perform together because we perform together all the time and we rehearse together all the time. And there's benefits that come with that, but I also love getting to take different classes and see different shows with Mm. different people Mm -hmm. because I think it just challenges you in a different way. Yeah. And it can help you grow when you're around someone who you're not used to their style. You're like, okay, I got to go back to like the basics of what I'm doing here and not anticipate or try and rely on what I know from them. Totally. Yeah. Wow. That's, I'm a bit envious of that. Just your improv baptism, essentially. (laughs) Just like surrounded by it. There was a time where I was, 
doing a good amount, but not that much. So I'm like, oh man. Yeah, I got I I got totally totally hooked on it, and again, it was, you know, I've I've always been pretty independent and on mm. my own, and it was um, it was a way I could do that and yeah. and make friends, you know. So it it just it made sense. It still makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay, so we're let's say we're about 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. You are an improv champion. Some might say the busiest improviser in LA. Thank you so much. Some might say. Um, they better. Yeah. Well, all, all will say. Yeah. There you go. Um, and I know at some point there was a move you made to New York, mm-hmm. which I imagine might have been tough at the time because it sounds like you'd been in L.A. for a little while at that point. You were pretty involved in both comedy and other things as well besides comedy, right? You were either <laughs> maybe working, you would probably finish school. Yeah. You, know, you had friends here. You had community here. Um so what, what was that transition like? And you can go into as much detail as you want or as little detail. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, in addition to comedy being like most of my free time in my social life, I also was working on building a career in production. Mm. And so I was working at an advertising agency in post-production and yeah, it's funny thinking, telling the story and thinking back on it because I really had no reason to leave. I loved my life in LA and I had yeah. great friends I just am the kind of person that I, I welcome change in my life sure. and candidly I get bored, you know? And so I, I like new things and I like things that I don't know the answer to and that mm. I don't know how they're going to shape up. So there was an opportunity within my company at the time to basically, there was a role in New York that was open that I could fill. And so I asked my boss at the time if I could take it versus them hire, you know, hiring someone. And my boss was totally supportive and she was like, yeah, but kind of has to happen quick. And she's like, like three weeks quick. And wow. so I broke my lease and sold my brand new car I had just bought and got rid of all my furniture and packed a few suitcases and got to New York. And so it was for work. And I just think it was a time in my life too, where I was ready for a change. I think I was so obsessed with LA and my life in LA Mm. that I was like, well, why not see if I could be obsessed with something else? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'd always been, had a love affair with New York. I'd Mm. gone, I started going there when I was little to see Broadway. Oh yeah. I just loved the energy of the city. I'd never been anywhere like New York city and the opportunity to, get there on not my own dollar, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to get there with a job. It makes it a lot easier. Oh my gosh. So I was super grateful for the opportunity and was so excited. And it's an interesting time in my life though, because from 2018 to 2021, I wasn't really doing improv because mm. I got to New York and my job was really time consuming. And yeah, I, I had a whole, my life was completely different. You know, mm. and so yeah. coming back to LA, I'd say in the last year, I'm now getting back into it. So yeah. it's been a it's been an interesting few years with improv specifically. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go on a tangent real quick because you mentioned Broadway. Can you just list for me like three Broadway shows that maybe you've seen that you really enjoyed? <laughs> yeah, and they're gonna be basic. Okay. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I wish I was more underground. But uh, love Wicked. Classic. Classic. Okay. Yeah. Brent. Uh, uh. I want to marry Rent if I could. Wow. The, yeah. Specifically sure. the movie. Oh. I know. Uh, well, not the uh, live on Broadway 2008 uh, <laughs> cast recording. It's pretty good. Anyway. Sorry, Broadway. 
<laughs> and um, the third, let's go. Oh, everybody's talking about Jamie. Oh, I yes. love that show. Um, that, and I know Jamie. And we know Jamie and yeah, we love Jamie. Different Jamie, but <laughs> different Jamie. it's a good show. I haven't seen, I've seen the movie or the recording of it in theaters, but there's a movie now too. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, a, I saw, I knew It's that. an Amazon Prime original. <laughs> Sponsored by. Yeah. Um, you're right. It is a movie and I haven't seen that, but I, I did yeah. see it live and that was wow. so great and fun. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I would like to see that show live. I, I did one of those like fathom events at Regal Cinemas where, you know, it's just a recording of the stage production, but it was really great. Oh. It's a good one. I, I feel like that's more underground or at least it's more modern. So, you know, people don't know it as well. Thank you. I get yeah. my street credit back. My yeah, Broadway there you go. Credit. It's it's all back. You know, it went away because you said wicked. I know. Yeah. I and know. rent. I mean, I, I like both those shows too. So I can't, I can't, just I have politics. no street cred. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So. New York, you move there, you're busy with work, doing other things. It was kind of your, maybe a bit of an improv hiatus. Yeah, I think it was. And I, I took a few classes at the Pit, which is yeah. one of the big, I'm sure you know, one of the bigger theaters in New York. And that was fun. Um, I think it was just hard for me to take intro classes, yeah. you know, it was, and not because I'm, I'm so good at improv. It just was, I wanted to be doing more. Yeah. And I had had such great opportunity to do more at IFTP, whether mm. it's teaching or performing with really amazing comedians and pretty advanced classes and scene work. So going back to an intro class, I just, um, I just didn't love it. And yeah. I was so, there was so much else I was doing in New York that, mm. uh, yeah, I just kind of fell by the wayside. I was yeah. seeing a lot of comedy, but I, yeah, I wasn't doing much. Yeah. And I think what's one of the challenges with improv, especially when you're moving like that from like one improv scene to another is that none of your like credentials carry with you. Like nobody cares. No one cares. Yeah. They're like, no. Oh, you d you're from LA. Yeah. Whatever. Well, we're in New York. New York's the home of UCB and like <laughs> Amy Poehler, you know? Ugh. And it's like, same Actually, thing. If I like Amy Poehler. I know me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you move to Chicago, right. No one would care about your credentials. And it's like, absolutely. Yeah. You have to like rebuild yourself as an improviser in that town or that city or whatever that is, which yep. can be tough. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And that's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So New York, we're there for three ish years, mm -hmm. some pandemic or whatever happens Ugh. and you come back to LA. Mm -hmm. One of the things I remember, uh, when I started at IFTP is I remember there were like, the people were like, Oh my gosh, Ava's coming back. And like, especially those first few things I was like, I don't, what? Like people were talking about you and I didn't really, oh my gosh. I didn't know what that meant. Cause I, I didn't know who it you were. It doesn't mean anything. I like, I That's remember Matt means. saying that, but they were like, it was like rumors. They'd be like, guys, guys, word on the street. Yeah. Ava's coming back. Oh my gosh. Be like Ava, no way. <laughs> and Matt would be like, guys, oh, I think Ava's coming back from New York. And just, I mean, at the time I literally no understanding. I was like, I don't even know anyone's name. You were in the right spot. It, it didn't. <laughs> It's fine, <laughs> but I am, I am honored to know that I was the talk of the there, town. There was hype, you know, wow. the, the city was, you know, eagerly anticipating <laughs> your return. Thank you so much, Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. So you, you came back to LA in 2021, right? Yeah. Um, uh, September, 2021, I was yeah. back. Okay. Yeah. I do miss New York and sure. I, I really look back fondly on my time there but I, it just, I needed to come back. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I moved back a little prematurely big picture, you know, like had I maybe, should I have tried it one more year? But it's hard to even say that. Cause no, the answer is no. I, 
I don't wish I would have tried another year because yeah. I'm so happy with how my life is now, you yeah. know? So yeah, it was, um, it, it, my life was weird last year. It was, it was hard and emotional and a lot, but then I got to come back to such a welcoming community and it made all of the difference. Mm. I'm mm. so, so grateful that I got to come back to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And I'm glad that like, as soon as you came back, it felt like, oh, I remember all the whispers. Ava's returning. Ava's on the way from New York. She's taking a train straight here. Um, that it was like just seeing, I think, how much people cared and were excited for your return and then how you, you so quickly were able to jump back in as an instructor. I think showed, you know, from my limited knowledge, but like the whole you left when you went to New York, right? There was always a place for you here. Cause mm. I think you're a huge part of IFTP's identity. Oh, wow. Mm. Thank you. I'm it, IFTP is truly, it's funny when I was, even when I was at the height of my happiness in New York, yeah. I, I missed it so much and I wanted the best of both worlds. I wanted my cake and I wanted to eat it too. I was of course, like, yeah. I love New York. I just, this IFTP is a huge part of my identity. Mm. You know, it's, um, I am so beyond, humbled and honored and grateful that I get to have a place at this theater because it's, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. All right. So now we're going to get into some deep philosophical questions. Okay. Hit me. Just some crazy stuff. Okay. Like, I hope you're ready. I am. So what would you say has been like in your outside life outside of, you know, IFTP outside of groundlings, USC, where's that been? What kind of role or impact has improv had in that? How's it, how's it bled into other areas of your life? Yeah. It has made me more patient. Hmm. I am not inherently a patient person and it has made me more patient. It has made me want to listen, to understand and not just listen to hear the sound of my own voice. Yeah. It has made me realize that you can't plan everything. Mm -hmm. And even when you do the way you respond to unexpected things, that's how you start building your legacy and your reputation and the way you navigate life. So improv, it's totally shaped my outside life, you know, just rolling with the punches, learning that learning to appreciate the good and take lessons from the bad and keep moving forward. Also staying present. I can get pretty I can get pretty forward thinking like, what am I going to do next? What am I going to try next? What Mm. am I, who am I going to see? And da, 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 And improv just reminds me, it's like, what's going on right here, right now. Yeah. So, so much. Yeah. I feel like I could ramble on and on. Definitely. Okay. Cause I think that ties back to something you mentioned earlier and I wanted to see kind of your answer for this. I think you kind of answered it now already, but you said like improv is something that can change people's lives, right? Change humans' lives, as I think you said. And uh, I believe you're a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we think. Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as we know. Um, Ava's coming back from New York. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think you already mentioned some of those things, right? It's helped you become more present. So has that been improv's impact as you, um, for you as a human, right? It's like helped you to learn patience and learn on focusing on being in the present yeah. Yes. Yes. To all of that. I think mm. that it, it's fun and silly and all those great things that bring us back to our childhood of just playing yes. and to be characters and do silly voices and mm-hmm. do physicality that you don't do in your nine to five. And on top of all of that. And I think 
most importantly, yeah, just how, how it can act as the foundation for your perspective on life, Mm. you know, of I'm going to, life is a good, positive thing. And there are going to be things that are not good and positive. How do we respond to it and how do we deal with it? Yeah. You know, and I think improv let me learn all of that and learn how I want to navigate all of that. I need a synonym for navigate. Mm. Uh, course chart charter yeah do help me charter all that help me chatter ew i don't like that yeah that's a tough one that's a tough one okay okay i i love that because i think with all those skills you mentioned i think improv puts you in those positions and then goes a million miles an hour right for making decisions and taking in information and just oh my gosh it's it's such a good i think like you said lessons for life right it just goes into everything you do. It really does. And I think too, I'm thinking about all these things now, but not taking yourself so seriously, Mm. you know, and I think learning to laugh at yourself and learning that, you know, I I hear a lot of the times with my new students, oh, I don't, I don't want to look stupid or I don't want to be embarrassed. And I think that's a totally natural human instinct to feel. And I think I have loved in those students who have said that, a year later, even six months later, watching them not care about that anymore mm, and mm-hmm. watching them welcome being not yeah. embarrassed, but just vulnerable. Yeah. And so I, for per- personally, for me, I've also adopted that same mentality of, mm. oh, what if I mess up, if I say something stupid, if I say something weird or wrong, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Rather than just spending your whole life worrying about it. Yeah, and at the yeah. end of the day, learning that people do, and I mean this in the nicest way, people do not care. People do, people care about themselves and they care about the people they love, but they're not thinking about you the way you're thinking about you, you know? And that's, to me, that's so freeing. That's so beautiful because you're like, oh my gosh, great. Then I can just worry about me and the people I love and keep close. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's very true. Especially like, you know, when we do something embarrassing, especially in a public situation, like strangers aren't going to remember that long term. Like, you get over it. You get over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So Ava, the improviser mm. in your journey, right? You've come a long way, I think from being like a hungry student at the beginning and kind of charting your own path in improv and uh, leading to becoming a teacher and getting experience from all these different places, right? Groundlings, the pit, uh, here, I forgot the name. I have TP. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, you know, just all these sources of improv. What do you think? What's next for you, Ava, the improviser? Is there a goal you're working on, a skill you want to find? Is there something that you want to accomplish as an improviser? Mm. I like should have an answer to this. I think that this speaks to my personality more at large. If I just, mm. again, I, I mentioned this briefly, but I've never known what my life is going to hold. And I think mm. that I'm so much about what's right here and how, what, what do I do with that? That said, I would love to, to teach for the rest of my life, you mm. know, and I'd love to mirror what Matt's done in creating a community for people and whether yeah. that continues to be at IFTP or, or, I mean, I hope it does. I plan on it being at IFTP. I just, I would love to continue being a part of improv for other people and, and, showing people what improv can be in their Mm. lives. So Mm. whether that's having my own thing one day or continuing to be a part of IFTP, I don't know, but I, uh, I just want it to be a part of my life. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And just 
think that desire to teach is important and improv teachers like you are needed. Oh, so thank you. stick with it. Thank you. For right the sake of you. everyone out there. Oh, <laughs> you don't want to be in my class. No. <laughs> I do. And I will one day. We got to well, make that happen. We'll see. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm open to it. I'm open to it. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, so I just got, um, actually it's the weirdest thing. I got a telegram from this, uh, beginning improviser. Sure. Her name is Jenny Johnson. Okay. Jenny Johnson. Yeah. She, she sent me a, great. she sent me a telegram. She was like, I heard Ava's on the podcast. Stop. Could you ask me a question for her? Stop. She did. The question stop is <laughs> stop. <laughs> Ava. I've taken one month of classes at IFTP. Stop. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for me? Stop. Sure. Jenny Johnson, stop. Jenny, it's so nice to meet you. I hope you're having a nice day. Thank you for writing, first of all. Mm. Second of all, my advice a month in, keep coming. Give yourself a big pat on the back. Give yourself, show yourself some grace. Show yourself the same grace you'd show your best friend who was doing something scary and intimidating. Mm. Keep being open, keep asking questions and keep having fun. Make sure it's fun for you. And, and it, when it's not talk to your teacher about what you're struggling with and mm. let's figure it out, but keep doing it. Keep doing it. I think beginning students, oftentimes they continue, which is great, but I've seen certain cases where it's so overwhelming and scary for people that they yeah. do it. And then they just leave because they, they can't, work through that mm. for whatever reason, whether it be now or, or later, but, um, just keep, keep coming. Yeah. It gets easier. It gets more fun. Once you get the mechanics of it and once you shake off the, I'm performing in front of people, um, it's just more fun. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Just keep showing up at the end of the day. Yeah. Be here. It's the only way you're going to learn anything. Be here, Jenny. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll send her that, uh, telegram back. It'll Thank take you. probably three to five weeks in the Pony Express to get there. Sure. But once she gets it, I know she's going to be elated. Seal it with a kiss. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. Well, if you're yeah. not comfortable with that, that's fine. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you Eva, uh, for Jenny and all other improvisers out there. I know that's really good advice mm, and so. I know we could dig in more. So maybe one day there'll be a part two. I yeah. would love that. Yeah. We'll, we could talk about improv forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the point of this podcast is just me me forcing <laughs> other people to talk about improv with me forever. That's. I think that's great. I fully support it. It's this. a whole scam, and Matt doesn't even know it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, Matt, I want to talk to people about improv weekly. <laughs> but, oh, but it's a show. <laughs> no, I think it's it's totally awesome what you've got going on here and the the thought that you put into it and the production value and the chance to just chat about it in an open forum. I'm so grateful that you're doing this and appreciative of your time because it sounds you. and looks great. Thank you. Thank you, Ava. That, that means a lot. Yeah. As someone who works in post-production. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thank you. That's, that's incredibly kind of you. And I, I'm yeah. very lucky to be in this seat. We, the, the luck is mutual. Mm, indeed. All right. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. For some games. Yes. All right. This first one, I uh, uh, it's chosen and or designed specifically with you in mind, mm. and we'll get into why. Okay. So this first game that we have here is called Grant Me a Witch. 
grant me a witch. It, exactly, because... I love playing witch, witch, witchy characters. In the, ex, yes, yes, in the shows and classes like we've done together, mm-hmm. I think you just, you're like, I don't even know, you're just witch-esque character is, is one of my favorite things that you pull out every now and then. It's just <laughs> something you go to, and I, it's such a rich, rich oh, character. So I'm like, you. oh, I'm going to force Ava to do that. You don't have a choice. Okay. Um, so in this game, grant me a witch. Mm. Mm, uh, I am going to be coming to you, a witch, okay. uh, with a request. I need your help. I'm a witch? Yes, you're the witch. Okay. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm seeking you because I'm a desperate human. Okay. We'll find out why. Uh, I'm a desperate human. I need something from you. Yeah. So you are going to grant me a, a wish. Okay. After you grant me that wish, uh, you are then going to inform me of the consequences of the wish, mm. but not until after the wish okay. has been granted. Great. All right. That's your job. And then uh, we'll figure out the rest from there. Are you going to? Okay, great. Yeah, I don't want to know I'll, more. I'll black us out. Okay. I love it. All right. Okay. I, I have to like try to become the witch. Yes. Yes. The, wit- <clears throat> the witch is among us. She's entered the studio. Okay. Are you initiating the scene or am I? Uh, I'll start it. I'll okay, start it. Great. Oh, oh my. Hello. Oh, yes. Oh, it's the witch. Yes. I, a humble townsperson from Creeksville Station over yonder, w- was recommended by a friend to come to you. Okay, yes, I've seen you. M- Mr. McGillicuddy, <gasps> I've seen you walk around town. You're a, you're a desperate little man. I'm sorry, that was mean. I'm, a, I'm actually a nice witch. It's, it's all right, witch. I, Mr. McGillicuddy, have such reverence for, for one who is in the arts, the dark arts. Thank you. I, it's been my life's work, and I look forward to, to helping you find your, find your journey, little man, little yeah. McGillicuddy Thank man. Thank you. I am, historically, the McGillicuddy family is quite small. I'm, I'm but four foot six. You're extremely tiny. Yes, yes. I could fit you in my my witch's cloak pocket. Oh, well, I'd hate to accidentally be an ingredient in someone's potion, but... You're right. All right, listen. You came here probably for a wish, am I right? I did, yes. Okay. Uh, I I get distracted by all the the fun things. All my Uh, pots and stews. My stews. Yes, you've got quite quite the ornate cottage that you live in here. Thank you. Your witch hovel. Um, You know, I've always been fascinated with witches, but that's that's for another time. We'll go out for a for a a glass of stew later. (laughs) What do witches drink? They uh, stew. Okay. Wow, stew from a glass. That sounds incredible. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, yes, I'm I'm coming to you because the Mm -hmm. McGillicuddy family has, well, I've discovered that I believe that we are cursed and Uh-oh. I need you to lift this curse from my family. Okay, I'm on it. And this curse, uh, well, is that the curse has been generationally, every time a McGillicuddy is born, mm-hmm. they are slightly shorter than the prior McGillicuddy. You are, you're, you're, Kind is going to be extremely small soon. Exactly. My You're ch- four, six. My children are only expected to be around three, nine. Yikes. And I can't even say what their children will be because with life expectancy what it is, I probably won't live to see them. Sure. Probably like, one, nine, if I had to guess. It's Which is, I'm quite terrified for. How Absolutely. Are they, how are they expected to operate in such a cruel, dirty world? They, they probably if, couldn't. If they're so small, almost sprite-like. Listen, I'm going to make you a tall, a tall family. Please, oh great witch. Okay. Listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the spell. Yes. Then 
tomorrow morning you will you your your ancestors yes. and your future sisters yes will be tall <gasps> i'm talking really tall i'm talking like like seven, eight feet tall i don't i go in extremes i grant in extremes okay so let me say the thing but then i got to give you some fine print to the wish Whatever you must do, okay. witch, I trust your dark arts. Okay, close your eyes and hold your breath. <gasps> okay, release the breath, open your eyes. Tomorrow morning, you'll be super tall. So will everyone in your family with the Fine. same last name. But you all will have to work... You all will have to work at the DMV. No, mm-hmm. not not the dangerous medieval village. You'll all be full-time employees of the dangerous medieval village, working the night shift. No, I, I've had a cousin who had had to go over there once for an appointment, and mm-hmm. he did not return. Uh, and so, many people won't. Many many of your family members won't. They'll be tall but dead. I don't. or missing. Oh, witch, you've cursed my family in another way. The big Gillicutties will, uh, well, we will be quite tall, pushing eight feet. <laughs> we will all die. Curse you, witch. Goodbye, McGillicutties. Blackout. <laughs> oh, man. That's how improv is done, everyone. That's how improv is done. I hope you're taking notes. I hope you had that notepad and pen from earlier. Yeah, for podcasts, it's definitely allowed. Yep. All right. Oh, really so, good work. I like that character on you. I, I had quite fun being McGillicuddy, and I, I realized I, I never named you. Like we just, you were just witch. Even better. And That's I okay. That added to your mystery, mm-hmm. um, which is why you know I was so trusting of whatever powers you're about to lay upon me. Yeah. Which well, was. I'm sorry I killed your family. That's all right. We we got to be tall at least for a bit, and you're tall for a bit. You know, again, medieval times, life expectancy. It wasn't great anyway. You're right. You're right. A lot of plagues and just general. Dirtiness. Cesspool. Yeah. Time. Cesspool yeah. was just, I think most, the most pools that people went to back then were cesspools. Yeah. They so. were, they were not sneaking into hotel pools back no, then. No, no, Hotels probably weren't a thing. Yeah. No, just maybe inns. Maybe inns. The inn pool was just an incest pool. Right. Which sounds like incest pool, which. Incest. Was also a product of the time. History. History. More you know. Learn it. Yep. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay, moving on to our next game. Uh, this one is called a Poetry Cafe. Oh. Uh, so you, uh, you and I, Ava, we are going to the Poetry Cafe. Sure. Just snaps all around. And in this game, uh, you and I are going to improvise uh, a few different poems. Uh, sorry, we're going to perform our pre-written poems. Yep. Uh, one line at a time in a few different styles. Okay. And for our Poetry Cafe performance, uh, we are going to do a limerick. Uh, any questions for me before we jump in? None. All right. <laughs> okay. Can you, can you start? Yeah, I'll start us. Okay. Thank you so much for coming to the Poetry Cafe. My name is Alan. I love you, Alan. Wow, thank you. I, lo- I love you, Alan. Such an astounding audience. My name is Alan, and this is my partner, uh, Genefra. Hey. And we're here to do some poetry uh, for you tonight from our new book, Oats and Goats. Oats and Goats. Oats and Goats. Oats and goats. Now available at Barnes & Noble. Yeah, so go there, okay? Get in your car and go to Barnes & Noble. Yeah, 
or walk because it's better for the environment. Yeah, or take a bike, but wear a helmet. Public transit, wear a helmet. Take the bus. Take the bus. Better yet, write your own poem. All right, so our first piece that we're going to be performing for you tonight is a limerick. And uh, the title of this limerick is Leaves in the Ground. The Ground. Crunching. Mm-hmm. It's the title of this first limerick. Mm-hmm. All right, Jennifer, I'll get us started. Okay. Boy, I sure love leaves in the fall. I love them because I hear them, they're making a call. I step upon them and I hear a crunch. And I look around, oh my God, there's a bunch. Wow. Leaves are the best of them all. That was really good, Alan. Thank you. Tell me I was really good too. You were really good, Ginefra. Okay. All right, this next piece uh, is a free verse. And Ginefra, could you tell us about this free verse poem? Yeah, this poem is called Look Up. Look Up. Look Up. Because so many, so much time we spend, we walk around, we're looking down. Mm. We're close. We're maybe even closing our eyes. Yeah. How often do we look up? Mm. So that's what we wrote this about. You want me to start? Please. Hey, little girl, little boy, little person, look up. Stop craning your neck. Look up from that screen. Throw the screen in the in the garbage. Find a, find a trash can and throw it away and look up. Look up to the sun, to the sky, to the birds of the air. Burn your eyes in the sun and then recover them in the sky. Take a bird home. Look up. Look up. Your baby bird flies above you. Isn't it sweet? It's sweet. They're flying off to college. Can you afford tuition or do they need to take out student loans? Look up. Look up. Your debt is sky high. (laughs) Blackout. (laughs) Wow, that look up was really gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, thank God we're going to be able to transcribe it and save it. I know. All right. All right. So, note to self Ava loves poetry games and wants to do them always. It's so funny in class. I am so bad at rhyming games, but hmm. I know that they're good for improvisers me. to do. And so I, I always teach them and I always am bad at them. And so my students, they tease me about that mm. as they should. Well, good to know. All right. So everyone at home, tease Ava about rhyming. Done. Yeah. Point and laugh. Yep. Yep. Every time you see her. And mm-hmm. then it's just like teaser with a rhyme though. Yeah. Yeah. Hey girl, you're bad. Also. That's sad. Also that's sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bam. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got one more game we're going to play. Okay. And then, and then, yeah. And then we die. Yeah, and then we die. I mean, <laughs> isn't that true of life? We just play games until we die. Uh, thanks for the perspective. When I have um, like a sleepover with my sister or mom or something, yeah. um, I love <laughs> when we're going to bed, I love going bye, like right before bed. <laughs> it's really done. Okay, yeah. That's done. Cut that out. 
We're keeping that in. Don't keep yeah. it in. Anything I people ask us to cut, we keep it intentionally and like boost the volume. Uh, okay. <laughs> so it. this last game that we're going to be playing, Ava, is called Sports Center. So in this game, Sports Center, you and I uh, are a sports commentating duo. Yeah. Except we are going to be commentating on a mundane life activity, you Love know, it. something everyday activity, but as, you know, sports announcers. Yeah. Um, so for this game, you and I are sports commentators on, uh, we're observing someone brushing their teeth. Right. Oh my gosh. The most, you know, skilled athletic event. Yeah. All right. So this is sports center. Okay. We're going to commentate <clears throat> brushing your teeth. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Welcome back. Sport, it's sports time. You got me. Big, big Kim. And my, my son. And my side guy. My whole, my whole guy. I love this guy. Dave. Thanks, Big Kim. It's Dave here, and we're here on Sports Time to talk to you today about this toothbrushing match that we've been watching. And oh yeah. my gosh, Big Kim, it's been electric. My my pants are flying off. Good thing you brought extra pairs, Big Kim. I'm putting them on because we're on TV, and I can't be without pants. We're going to watch this, this woman brush her teeth. Look at those dirty, dirty teeth. She's got to get them clean. Boy, her teeth sure are dirty. Looks like someone was having some red wine yesterday. Uh, luckily for her, uh, her name is Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, she's an experienced teeth brusher, so we're excited to see what moves the veteran can pull off. Yes, we are. Jennifer, she can't hear us because she's in the, in the performance arena, but I just want to say I'm a huge fan of your work and of your dirty teeth. Let's get those bad boys clean. Let's get them clean. We've seen what Jennifer can do on screen. Let's see what she can do in front of the mirror. Here she goes. She's picking up the toothbrush. She's right-handed. It's pretty standard. Mm. All right. Um, she's putting on that toothpaste. She's using Tom's. All natural. Wouldn't expect that from Jennifer. Ah, that's uh, definitely a surprising move. And you know, and you know, Big Kim, it's it's a uh, it's interesting to see here. Some players have the strategy of water on the brush before the paste. Sure, but not Jennifer. Nope. She's a uh, by the book kind of gal. She's yep. Here she goes. All right, water's off. Bringing that toothbrush to her her little mouth. Ooh. Inserting the toothbrush, and she's brushing, and she's brushing. There we go. She's brushing. Oh my gosh, she's hitting the molars. She's rubbing that. She's not getting any cavities back there. Oh my gosh, her technique of back and forth, circular, goes. tiny motions is incredible. You've never seen anything like it, Big Kim. You've never seen anything like it. She's making every dentist proud. <sighs> every dentist proud. For once, 10 out of 10 dentists approve of Jennifer's brushing technique. She's she's taking the toothbrush out and she's gonna spit in the sink the the sink the standalone sink that the arena provides. And uh, and let's see let's let's give Jennifer a rating here on her spit, Big Kim. Uh, let's see. Six sloppy. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty sloppy. Some spittle did get upon the mirror, which we can see in the slow mo instant replay. Yep. It's Disgusting. going down her. Disgusting. Getting down her shirt. Oh. Get on her shirt, Jennifer. Absolutely sloppy. But that's okay. We're moving on. She's taking the washcloth. She's wiping her mouth. Wiping her mouth. Good call. You know, sometimes we see players who do such a clean spit, they don't have to wipe anything. But, you know, a good recovery there by Jennifer. It's all about how you handle the trials and tribulations of life. Mm. Well said, Big Kim. 
I gotta be honest, Dave. I forgot who I st- what I sounded like when I started out as Big Kim. So I've probably changed a little bit. I've probably changed a little bit, as we do in life. Well, just as the sport of teeth brushing is dynamic, so is the sound of my voice. Thank you, Dave. I love your perspective. Blackout. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a moment I was like, I've, I've been three to oh. five different versions of Dave. Who is Big Kim? That's what people at home are wondering. I know. We did the best we could. We did the best we could. And Jennifer did a decent job brushing her teeth. Decent, yeah. Sloppy at the end there, which yeah. I think you, you were wise to point out because, you know, for the, the families watching at home, they need to know that there's better technique than that. I know. Yeah. We, we love Jennifer anyway. We commend we do. her. We do. You know, she has other skills as well. Right. Yeah. Being hilarious. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not all about how she brushes her teeth. No. All right. Well... Ava, thank you. Thank you for playing. Oh my uh, gosh, so fun. A little bit here. Uh, so any final words you want to leave us with before we conclude today's episode? Thank you, Michael, so much for having me on and taking time out of your schedule to put this together and, and let me totally nerd out over this. I had a blast and yeah, I I literally will go on so many tangents about improv, so I, <laughs> I must force myself to stop. But this was totally great, and I love that you're doing this. I love that you're giving people the platform to talk about it, and I can't wait to uh, do it again with you sometime. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you again to Ava so much for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom, your experiences, and your talent as well. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Improv for the Podcast or any other episode, please feel free if you want to leave us a rating on Spotify or if you want Apple Podcasts, we'd love to hear from you. But until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Improv for the Podcast was created by Matt Moore and Michael Lee Evans. Edited and produced by Michael Lee Evans. And finally, presented by Improv for the People. Interested in more IFTP? You can visit us at improvforthepeople.com or on our socials, such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, new episodes are released weekly. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.